Welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast, a platform for women in agriculture, ranching, homesteading, and more to share their stories. I'm your host, Caitlin Dubin. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. This week, you'll meet Megan Throckmorton Harris. This wife, mama, and farmer's market manager has had a passion for agriculture as long as she can remember, from planting gardens with her granny, to working cattle on her uncle's farm, to where she is today on her beautiful farm in North Carolina with her husband and three boys. Megan has never been afraid to get her hands a little dirty. Today, we chat about how Megan, along with the board members of the downtown South Boston Farmer's Market, overcame the obstacles of running a farmer's market through a pandemic and continued to provide a great environment and memorable experiences for their customers. Y'all, I am so excited for you to meet Megan. And I say y'all because you're going to get it in a few minutes. Megan is just a ball of energy and I loved chatting with her today on the episode and I'm very excited for you guys to hear it. Before we get to today's episode, I just want to say a special thank you to our newest patrons, Emily K and Hannah M for joining the patron gang over on Patreon. Your support of the show ensures that the inspiring stories of women in agriculture hit your earbuds each and every week. And for the patrons at the $10 tier or higher, you're going to hear the bonus extended episode that I recorded with Megan, where she gives us her best advice for selling your goods at the farmer's market and what it takes to be a profitable seller at a farmer's market, as well as she shares her stories about the infamous silver queen corn that I am still smiling and giggling about right now. (laughs) So if you'd like to join in with Emily and Hannah and the rest of the members of the patron gang, you can head on over to wildrosefarmer.com and learn more about how you can become a patron through Patreon. Without further ado, my friends, let's get to this week's episode with Megan. Good morning, Megan. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for joining me on the Rural Woman podcast today. I'm excited to get to know you better and to share your story. Thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate the opportunity. So tell us who you are, where you're from, and give us your background of how you started in agriculture. So my name is Megan Harris. I'm from a small town in Virginia. I recently, well, I guess 10 years ago, moved across the Virginia line to North Carolina with my husband. I started out in agriculture as a child. I basically remember sitting on my grandma's porch with her sisters, snapping snap, shelling butter beans, growing a huge vegetable garden. And I'm pretty sure that's where my passion for agriculture got started. I continued on through high school in our local FFA chapter volunteered on farms. I actually helped work cattle at my uncle's cattle farm with him and some other partners in his business. Um, It's so hard for me to word things sometimes. You're okay. (laughs) It's because the question is just so big. I guess because my whole life, Caitlin, is so diverse. Like, it's so weird to me that 
Okay, so I have my own farm, and I run the farmer's market, and I teach agriculture, and you know what I mean? Those are it's a lot every- of things. <laughs> yeah, and it's so hard, like, to tell my story sometimes, especially, like, on Instagram and stuff. Yeah. Because it's literally just... It's just one big diverse bomb of a million different things. <laughs> well, that's great. And that's what we're going to break down today into each little piece. And we're not going to talk at all in one big umbrella story. So let's break it down. Yeah, sounds good. So when you were a kid on the porch with your grandma snapping peas, I love your accent, by the way. We need to put this out here right in the beginning. <laughs> When a Canadian says out on the porch snapping peas, it doesn't sound as nearly as dreamy as when you say it. Thank you. (laughs) Seriously, everybody that says anything about my accent, I'll like almost apologize because I always think that I sound like I jumped out of an Alabama trash can. Like Because around here, (laughs) everybody's got an accent, but somehow... Mine is the thickest around and people like really get a huge kick out of it, especially when I was in college. Yeah. Well, I think it's extra dreamy. So you're all good. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. KL Skin Naturals is an award-winning small batch body care company started by owner-operator Leah Edgar in 2013. KL has a wide variety of body care products, all made by hand to ensure you only receive premium quality products. I have personally been a customer of KL Skin Naturals since 2017 and can tell you that their natural deodorant is the only one that I use. And fun fact, Mr. Wild Rose Farmer is also a KL deodorant user too. Available in 23 clean scents in sensitive, classic, and extra strength formula and their new eco-friendly packaging, KL has a deodorant to suit your needs. Try it out for yourself and use promo code WILDROSE10 to save 10% off your order at klskindeodorant.com. So growing up, uh, you were involved in FFA. Tell us what some of your fondest memories were from FFA. So in FFA, I did a lot of horse judging. I was really big in the horses in high school and in middle school. And so I would do the horse judging competitions with my favorite ag teacher, Miss Vaughn. She was amazing and we're actually like best friends now. And she lives like 10 minutes down the road from me. She really kind of lit fire and fueled my passion for ag because in high school, I didn't even know what I wanted to do when I grew up. I was afraid to go to college because, you know, it's expensive. (laughs) And Trina really like said, listen, this is what you got to do. She even found the program that I went to when I went to Virginia Tech and everything. And she was like, this is going to get you started. I knew I wanted to go to college. I knew I wanted to be something in agriculture, but I really didn't know what. So in high school, that ag teacher really helped me really get to where I am now. Because if it wasn't for her, I really don't think that I would have pursued a degree in agriculture from Virginia Tech. And I probably would have never like left home. But she really gave me the courage and the skills and just the like really desire to get out of this town and and go into college and you know, figure out what I want to be and, you know, dream big. So I really appreciate her for that. And that was one of my fondest memories 
of FFA and ag and high school in general. She just had a huge impact on my life. That's amazing. And it's so great to hear those stories coming from ag teachers and encouraging people to get out and experience new things and get off the farm that they're coming from and just go see that there's other things out there. And whether they come back to their farm or their small town or not, they have these experiences now that are kind of worldly and give you a different perspective on things. So that's really great to hear. Thank you. When I was in college, I actually worked on a Colorado dude ranch because I thought I wanted to travel for a summer. And I remember getting off the plane, coming back home and saying, I'm never leaving this town again. (laughs) It literally scared me. I mean, I loved it. I had such a good time out there, but that was a really good experience to remind myself, nope, I'm a daddy's girl. It's I stay, you know, close, close to home. (laughs) Pretty close to home. Well, tell us about your current farm and how you ended up in North Carolina and how you got your start there and where you guys are today. All right. So I ended up in North Carolina because I met my wonderful husband, Joe, just out of college. We live right across the Virginia line. So really, I'm only 25 minutes from um, my old house with my mom and dad. We met riding horses. Of course, I said horses were a huge part of my childhood and my teenage years, of course. I would come home from college on the weekends to ride on some of these trail rides. And me and Joe met and hit it off. And, you know, here we are like 10 years later with three kids and his family farm that has been in the Harris name for I'm I've done like some research on ancestry. And I'm almost certain that this farm has been in the Harris name for almost 100 years. (laughs) If there's a certain point where I can't you know, research or get back farther because of the censuses. But I'm almost certain that, that you know, it's been in the Harris name for a hundred years. And when I moved here with him, he had horses, produced hay, and we did a huge garden every year. And, you know, I would go to the farmer's market and sell our vegetables and things. But after I kind of got settled in good, I decided, hey, I've never had chickens. I'd love to have chickens. And my husband, seriously, We were in southern states. They had, it was chick days. They had the baby chicks in there. And I was like, man, I've always wanted chickens and I've never been able to have any. That evening, he went to his brother's house, got a coop, remodeled it. We went back the next day and got my first 20 chicks. (laughs) And that's when I started chicken chasing. (laughs) (laughs) So seriously, like he, I have always, always, always wanted to, you know, be on a farm and live the farm life, which I did when I was younger. I knew I wanted to continue that. I would jokingly tell people in high school, like, I'm going to move to Georgia and marry a peach tree farmer. Like, that's what I'm going to do. I always knew that I was going to marry somebody in agriculture. And Joe just happened to be the one. And he has always pushed and encouraged me to, you know, fulfill my dreams. And that's why right now it's probably 40 degrees outside and he's digging holes for my apple trees so I can start a new (laughs) apple orchard. (laughs) So recently we have expanded into meat goats. I've got a small herd of like eight meat goats. I have over a hundred coop ready laying hens. I raise them from chicks. I'll buy them from somewhere like ideal or Murray McMurray and raise them to laying age, and then I put them up for sale and sell them. My meat goats, our idea for them right now, since they're purebred Kinko, is to sell them for breeding stock, and I would like to sell meat direct, but that's 
that's our newest venture. So right now we're just focused on keeping them alive (laughs) Um, because I had never had goats before either. We will, in the spring every year, we breed a couple of our AQHA two at Jack horses and we'll either sell the babies or if it was up to me, I'll keep them all (laughs) to ride for our kids. Oh, I also sell Highland Light Buns around here. I have two breeding pairs and I'll breed them and sell their babies to locals or, you know, I'll find people on Facebook or something in my rabbit groups and, you know, sell babies that way. And that's really hard because of course the kids are like, no, let's keep them all. And we don't, (laughs) but (laughs) we, with us here and our, and our sons, we try to just keep, keep, I try to keep a diversity of things going because we have three sons, of course. And so far, the two older ones are very much interested in ag and farming. And of course, Ryan thinks he's going to be a cowboy. So, <laughs> And I'm sure the little one who's three months old will end up doing the same thing. That is so great. And for the very few husbands, I'm sure that listen to this show, I think we can all take a page from Joe and let's all be like Joe husbands. <laughs> he's amazing. Like, in, <laughs> So he's a general contractor. So he builds things anyway, anything from houses to room additions to pole barns. And so I can literally tell him my idea about a coop or a shed or any kind of structure. And he just takes it and runs with it. And he doesn't just go get, you know, any kind of extra wood we have. Like he literally goes above and beyond and does the absolute best. That is so amazing. So I I could literally, I couldn't have scored bigger like with Joe. (laughs) Yes. Guys, take note. Take note. Let's all be like Joe. (laughs) Everybody needs a good Joe. (laughs) Yes, for sure. So with such a diversified operation, what are some of your favorite roles and duties on the farm? So I've always, always been like a caregiver. I believe that's probably why I have so many kids. (laughs) My main role is to care for the animals. Joe takes more role into the plants and the pro the garden produce that we produce for the farmers market because to be honest with you it's really hard for me to keep house plants alive much less a acre or two a garden so I help you know him pick and if we end up processing anything or canning anything I'll do that but and I'll help a little bit with the planting but the main thing that I do is care for all the animals feed you know maintain dewormer. I've got Kigo goats, so they're pretty, (laughs) they're pretty easy and they're really tough. So you just have to kind of, you know, watch for parasites. But other than that, it's not a ton, a ton of work to it. I do all the marketing for the farm when it comes to all the vegetables and everything that Joe plants. I'm the one that takes everything to the farmer's market to sell it. Or, you know, I'll put, I'll even put things online for people to come pick up because we're kind of on a main road. So that helps. And of course, I care for all the children. (laughs) (laughs) That is a lot of things to care for. (laughs) I try to keep everybody alive. And (laughs) that's my goal. Just keep keep on trucking and keep everybody alive. (laughs) That is a good motto to live by. (laughs) It's hard sometimes. I'm going to tell you, boy, and I have three boys. Right. (laughs) So they make it a little hard on me. I'm like, look, look, kids. Right. Easy killer. No doubt. Well, I think you should put that slogan on a bumper sticker for you and put it on your car. (laughs) No, seriously. I say it all the time to where my three-year-old now that really doesn't talk that much, 
Like, instead of saying, you know, be gentle, we'll be like, easy killer. And so now he says it, especially when he goes to, like, grab the baby or something. I'm like, easy, easy, Peyton. (laughs) Too funny. KL Skin Naturals Whip Shampoo Bars are a highly concentrated blend of plant and coconut-based shampoo ingredients and are 100% soap-free. If you've tried out other shampoo bars in the past and found yourself with a head of oily, heavy, unmanageable hair, it's because soap is a blend of oils that is meant for your skin, not for your hair. KL's Whip Shampoo Bars are made with gentle, pH-balanced shampoo ingredients effective for all hair types. You can replace up to two to three plastic bottles of your liquid shampoo with their one whipped shampoo bar. Proudly sulfate, petroleum, and paraben-free, travel-friendly, and biodegradable packaging. Try KL's Whip Shampoo and Creamy Conditioner Bars for yourself and use promo code WILDROSE10 to save 10% off your order at klskindeodorant.com. So what do you think have been some of your biggest learning curves in the growth of your farm and operation? One of my main learning curves, and it's it's because, I'll, I'll be so honest, I'm like so ADHD, is organization and kind of, it's like almost a clean slate here. It's amazing. And everything is laid out really nice. It's almost trying to figure out where to where to go next. Like we're always adding something new, but it's always with me and Joe, it's always like, okay, so what do we need to do next, you know, to continue to diversify? Because with Joe, Joe is like a lot older than me. It's actually a 27 year age difference. (laughs) And so my goal for our farm is to be able to make money on the farm so that Joe could retire from his job and just maintain the farm while I, you know, teach high school agriculture because I love my job. So it's always the the biggest issue or kind of speed bump we have sometimes is trying to figure out the most profitable thing to add in order to make ourselves kind of sufficient so that he would be able to kind of retire and do more things here. One of our main entities that I didn't talk about a few minutes ago is haymaking. So that's a big thing that he does. And We lease a couple other farms so that we can, you know, have adequate hay for all of our customers. And that's a big, that's one of our bigger profits on our farm. So we're always adding to that and trying to basically trying to make it profitable so that he can slow up on building. Because, you know, as you get older, it's very hard to climb on roofs. And I worry about him constantly falling off a roof or you know, just the stress of the job. I would love to see him and he loves agriculture and loves farm. I'd love to see him be able to stay here every day and live his dream and farm and, you know, pick up a kid from school for me every once in a while and (laughs) so that he wouldn't have to drive way because he he works way around our area. So sometimes he might work right up the road. Sometimes he might be, you know, an hour up the road. And I just would love to be able to see him slow down and do what he really loves. And I really believe that that's farming for sure well and to be available to like you said pick up a kid or two from school once in a while that would help keep everyone alive and moving (laughs) yeah and see with his age you know he he we call him a late bloomer (laughs) so he started he started having kids late he doesn't have his 
kids are my kids and our oldest is six and his birthday was the other was on the 19th so he just turned 56 and so you know we want him to be able to spend as much time with these children as he can (laughs) because you know statistically he is a little bit older so he really he makes time to spend with ryan and the boy and all, all the boys to teach them i mean life skills things that will always benefit them in the future so we want to make it to where he can be around them just as much as he can so that he can impact them and teach them everything they need to know, you know, to be a man. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So you started selling your produce at the downtown South Boston Farmers Market. Then you started managing it. So tell us about that transition and how that happened for you. So before I had our oldest, we were growing tons of produce and I was just like, I really want to go, you know, sell it. So there's a couple farmers markets around here and I ended up choosing downtown South Boston. I loved it. It was an outdoor market. They had a huge kind of shed that you could park under and it was open six days a week. And I was super nervous and I wanted to like jump under a bus because (laughs) I have awful anxiety. But finally, Joe was like, look, you can do it. You know, just call them and see what you have to do. So I called and the manager at the time was Ray Satterfield and he was amazing and so encouraging. And he was like, girl, you come on down here. You'll do great. After I talked to him on the phone the first time. And so I finally like, (laughs) I finally put my, my big girl boots on and we got up at six o'clock one morning or no, we got up at five o'clock one morning, got everything loaded in my truck and I drove down to the farmer's market and (laughs) it started from there and just, I loved it. The atmosphere was amazing. I loved all my customers. You know, Ray was amazing. Any little thing I needed help with, he would help. And it was just an awesome atmosphere. Well, a year and a half or two later, I got pregnant with Ryan. So I knew that it was going to be harder for me to go to the farmer's market the next year. He was born in November. I mean, he was a few months old when the season started back up again in March. And I was like, I would come, but not as often. And I would sell more from the house. And, you know, people just kind of remembered me because to be honest with you, I could go outside and make friends with a fence post. Like I can talk to anybody. I don't know. I've always been super like, I love to talk. And so I guess they remembered me because it kind of dwindled on out to where after I had paid in three years later, because all my kids are three years apart, I wasn't able to go. It was just the fact that I would have to get up so early to get down there. It was just hard. And I was selling so much from the house that, you know, I didn't make it a priority to go. Well, a few, I think it was last year around this time, maybe November, I got a phone call from a family friend. I've known her my whole life. She was actually my GA teacher. Um, And she had started going to downtown South Boston Farmers Market a couple years, and she was serving on the board. And her name is Paige. And Paige said, Megan, the farmers market's looking for a market manager, and I think you'd be great at it. And she said, I was actually at a meeting And we were talking about, you know, who to get. And me and the town manager or town manager assistant, Tamara Vest, both, you know, agreed that you would do great at it. They both remembered me. (laughs) And so I was like, so what do I would have? You know, I was automatically, I love the farmer's market. And it was not uh, if it was like, okay, when when do I start? Like, because I knew I just loved it. And they sent me the job duties and I looked at them and I was like, I'm down. Let's, when do I get started? 
And so I started managing in January of 2020. And I met with the board. They were all wonderful. We started planning events. And then COVID happened. <laughs> so we we were going to have to shut down. Like, because farmers markets, unfortunately, were not deemed essential. And we were like, what are we going to do? You know, we've got to keep this going. Because, I mean, we have farmers and vendors, you know, that that rely on this money. And I was like, you know, I'm the new farmer's market manager. We got to figure out something to do. So I talked with the board and we all decided that a drive-through farmer's market would be amazing. And so we did it. And, you know, the first week was a little bit slow, but it was, we had more customers than I thought. And literally by the end of March or the middle of April, the traffic from our drive-through farmer's market like wrapped around the entire parking lot and, you know, went down the road. Like people were waiting in the road to turn into our farmer's market so they could drive through. I mean, it was, we had an amazing response. I mean, ABC 13 news came out and when we did that and it was successful, I said, you know what, we're about to rock it this year. And it was a great, awesome, amazing year. I mean, we, it was we had every event went great. I mean, even with COVID, all the customers were awesome. They understand it. Like, why we had to, you know, wear our mask and do what we needed to do. I mean, we just, it turned out to be awesome. And this year is going to be even better. <laughs> that's so great. And like, good for you for going into a position that's new and exciting. And then having to deal with a global pandemic on top of that. So doing yeah, the drive through is so amazing. And there are so many cool things that people ended up doing with their farmers markets all around the country. And I just think like kudos to you and the rest of the sellers there for being able to have such a successful year in such the weirdest year of all time. <laughs> yeah. So we, we thought we have a really good Virginia Association, far, the Virginia Farmers Market Association was really awesome about emailing and keeping in contact to let us know you know, the new guidelines and what we needed to do. So we just worked really closely with them and implemented everything that we needed to implement from hand washing stations to, you know, lines. And eventually by grand opening in June, we dwindled the um, drive-thru on down and kind of made it back to a walk-up. But it was great. And we even got, this year, they still want, people still want us to do the drive-thru because elders that you know can't really get around good or can't really walk well they loved it because they could drive right up didn't have to get out of their car and you know even with flu season like they they really they love the idea and they want us to keep doing it because it just made it so much easier on them so when somebody drives up we just you know we oblige them and show them and tell them where to go and ask them what they want and get their order to them and they pay and my farmers go home with a big old smile and a pocket full of money and they go home with awesome farm fresh products and a big old smile too. That's awesome. That is so great. So what are you hoping for in the future for the farmer's market? I literally want my farmer's market to be like, it's already on the map, but I, I want people to say from, you know, Northern Virginia or Tennessee or somewhere to say, hey, we got to visit that farmer's market because it's some awesome stuff going on. I want people to drive up and there just be, uh, I mean, just a large, gigantic number of vendors there. And they have, you know, not just a five minute, let me stop at the farmer's market, but hey, we got to stop at the farmer's market and we can walk around and, you know, have great experiences and visit 
with with their farmers and learn more about their food, of course, and where it comes from and really learn and get to know about the people that are selling them this food and growing this food. And I want people to just have a great experience. I want to keep my kids programs going like the um, we have a pop program where kids or it's called power of produce where kids come and taste new vegetables and get $5 vouchers to where they can, you know, go around the farmer's market and shop. I want to keep the education factor there so that the community can really learn, Hey, I can grow my own food and, I don't have to walk around in overalls and, you know, hold a shovel to be able to, you know, grow a tomato plant. Like, I can do it. I just want to empower my public so they know, hey, farming is hard and it's hard work, but, you know, you can do it. Like, you can, even on an acre, there's books about it, man. (laughs) Like, you can grab that book and figure out a plan and, you know, grow your own food and be self-sustainable if you want to. Or you can come to my farmer's market and from an awesome farmer that has worked super hard to provide you, you know, this amazing produce that he has, you know, got blood, sweat and tears in, you know, like I just really want people to get excited and say, oh my goodness, the downtown South Boston Farmers Market's opening. I cannot wait to go. Um, I cannot wait to meet these people. And I really, I really see it going in that direction. Like this year was just such a big year. And even with the pandemic, we got so much more exposure that I cannot wait to see what a regular or if it ever goes back to regular uh, uh, year would be. I mean, it's just going to be amazing. And I'm just so excited for all of my vendors and farmers and everybody in our community to see how amazing this market's going to turn out. I mean, it's already amazing, but it's going to be gigantic. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, it's so great. And I think if we can look back at 2020 and think of the good things, because there were a couple good things that came out of it. One I would have to say is direct marketing off of a farm, whether that's through a farmer's market or straight off somebody's farm. Like I think the general public really took a passion towards it for some time and even like a passion towards gardening like you couldn't buy garden seeds for the longest time that you would normally be able to get anywhere so i think that for me at least i think is probably one of the positives that came out of 2020 was people caring more about where their food came from because when you went to the grocery store the food wasn't there so <laughs> putting those two things together really helped people realize that there are people growing their food and it takes a farmer to feed you yes i totally agree with that for the listeners who would like to connect with the farmers market specifically where can they go online to check it out so on instagram i actually made the instagram account this year <laughs> it's at downtown sobo underscore farmers market. Perfect. I will put that in the show notes so people can find and connect and follow along and see the journey of what 2021 is going to look like for you guys at the farmers market. Yes. And I love to feature, I do these things called farm tours. Me and the board, our board president, Kimberly Rich had came up with it doing these farm tours. And I would bring my big Nikon camera and interview the farmers and take pictures and kind of highlight them on my on the stories and as a post so that 
people that, you know, can't really get out or, you know, are busy, they can go on our Instagram and look and say, hey, this is that farmer and this is where they live and what they do and, you know, get to know them that way as well. Very cool. That's a great feature to have. So Megan, my last question for you here on the podcast today is what is the most rewarding part about being a farmer for you? For me, the most rewarding part about being a farmer is probably get actually I mean I could oh man I could list this forever I, I think about that that's awesome that's an awesome question the most rewarding part about being a farmer is I think teaching others about it I like to share my story and teach others kind of about what we're doing in different aspects in agriculture because I think it's just awesome getting the community involved in it and encouraging others to do the same. I think that's one reason I also like my market manager position is because I can really teach others and show them, you know, hands-on in real life. Hey, this is where our food comes from. And you can meet these awesome people that do it and, you know, create these giant communities of people that, you know, want to grow their own food or want to support somebody that's growing food. And it's just, it's an awesome opportunity, I think, to be able to to get that information out there into the world because I think it's something that everybody needs to know, especially my kids. I think that's that's one thing that I love about having my kids is really teaching them every year, you know, something different about the farm. Like I can remember Ryan being, you know, two and a half, three years old and dropping plants into the gardens, the in the garden spot where my husband grows like our cabbages and broccoli in the spring every year. Ryan, he would always kind of backpack with me in the carrier up to our garden spot. But I can remember when he really started helping and I would pull the plants out of the tray and hand them to him and he would drop them in the holes for us or, you know, learn to cover plants up. And that's one of my favorite parts of having a farm is just seeing those aha moments in my kids' eyes and knowing that my child can survive. Like he knows how to grow plants and grow food and he loves doing it. And he can come up to you or anybody else and say, Hey, I did this on the farm and this is, we know how to do this because of this. And my dad and mom taught me this. And I really, that just, it makes me feel good as a parent that I can, you know, teach my kids and my husband can teach, we can teach our kids, you know, these survival skills and they can, and they can make them money. Like, He knows that we can take this stuff to the farmer's market and we can make money doing it. So it's almost, it's, I mean, it's teaching him how to survive and real world skills in, you know, tons of ways. For sure. And I just think that seeing, like you said, the aha moments through kids' eyes is so cool and it's so rewarding, whether they're your kids or other people's kids. Like, I just think like it's, it's magical. It's like the wonderful world of Disney when it comes to teaching kids how to farm, right? Like it is just, it's magical. And I think unless like you have seen it firsthand, like it's just, yeah, so good. All of the good things, Megan. Yes. This year I actually started a program and I got a grant from Microsoft called a grow it yourself grant. And we started a program up at the farmer's market where once a month, we give away seed packs or give away plants, um, anything to encourage people to grow it theirself. And the, one of the first things we did was just after I got the grant, I think it was October and we or in September and we grew pumpkin plants. And so I just got pumpkin seeds. And I mean, it was I could have done way better, <laughs> but I'm such a bad planner. So I just got like these styrofoam cups and the kids would come over there. I'm like, this is a, this is how we're going to get our pumpkins. And 
it was actually June or July because they had to grow them. Sorry, I had to think about when I did it. But they literally got the seeds from me and planted them in these styrofoam cups. And to see the magic, like you said, Disney magic in these kids' eyes, it was just so rewarding because they were super excited to go home, water their little pumpkin plant, and go plant it in the ground. Like, they were so excited just to plant a pumpkin and just giving being able to just give kids like a pack of seeds and then be that excited is so rewarding to me. Totally, totally. It's so good. Well, Megan, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I have so enjoyed getting to know you better and sharing your story. For the listeners who would like to connect with you after the show, where can they find you online? So they can find me on Instagram at Harris Homesteader. It sounded better than Harris Farmer. (laughs) It kind of had a ring to it, so that's why I picked it. Um, So that's at Harris Homesteader. On Facebook, it's Megan Harris Homesteader. And on YouTube, if you want to see me in action, it's (laughs) Megan Harris Homesteader as well. Perfect. And I will link all of those, including the farmer's market in the show notes so people can find you and connect with you. Thank you so much. And I really appreciate this opportunity. It's been so great getting to know you. Thank you so much for joining me on the Rural Woman podcast today. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman podcast. A special thanks to our Patreon executive producer, Sarah Reedner of Happiness by the Acre, and to my editor, Max Hofer. For show notes, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com. You can connect with me on social media using the handle at wildrosefarmer on all platforms. If you love the show, make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts, plus share it with a friend. We'll see you next time.